Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. Though you may not realize that the ongoing threat of terrorism is affecting your life and that of your loved ones. Each week, Dr. Carol analyzes the hottest topics in terror and helps you and your family reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. Terrorist training camp discovered in America training school shooters, training kids to become school shooters. Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, a psychiatrist and your terrorist therapist. Yes, I know you may find it hard to believe. I know what you're thinking, what a terrorist training camp in America. Yes, I'm not talking about the Middle East. I'm talking about New Mexico. Yes. (laughs) And in fact, um, as you may or may not have heard, because the media is not exactly doing all it should, the mainstream media, to um, give you the details of all of this, as is uh, often as often happens in regard to terrorism, you know the media is complicit in um, not alerting us to things that are possible terrorist attacks, as you know i 've talked about many times on this podcast um, and now there 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 are two things i 'm going to talk to you about today well primarily this training camp, but there 's also something else that was in the news, another headline that makes us ask ourselves, are the storm clouds of terrorism gathering? Two headlines in the news this past week say yes so before I get into this hard to believe terrorist training camp in the desert of America training kids to become school shooters. I will tell you about the other headline that um, was a shock, and that is that um, bin Laden's son, Osama bin Laden's son, has reportedly married the daughter of the 9-11 lead hijacker. I know, you know, these things, they seem like plots to B-movies, but um, all I can say is that this is what relatives of Osama bin Laden have said. Uh, His son, Hamza bin Laden, who actually has been in the news recently uh, for something else, saying that um, he plans to avenge his father's death, has conveniently, uh, and in the same line of thinking, married the daughter of the lead hijacker of hijacker of 9/11. Now, um, this was reported to the news, The Guardian, by um, uh, uh, Osama bin Laden's half brothers. Um, he, he Hamza has said he wanted to avenge his father's death. He married the daughter of Mohammed Atta. He was the lead terrorist. He's an Egyptian, or he was, an Egyptian national who hijacked and flew the first plane that crashed into the World Trade Center. And um, the brothers, these these half-brothers of Osama bin Laden, um, said that they have heard that he married the daughter of Mohammed Atta. Um, we're not sure where he is, but it could be Afghanistan, they said. It almost seems like they want they want uh, Osama's son, Hamza, to be found. Anyhow, um, Mohammed Atta, the leader of, the, of 9-11, uh, 
Um, his personal life is said to have been mostly shrouded in mystery, and he was reportedly never married, and there were no past mentions of his children. So, you know, it is questionable as to whether uh, Hamza bin Laden married his daughter, but, you know, <laughs> um, they have, they do... They do get involved with a lot of women, and it is certainly possible, whether he was officially married to the woman or not, it is certainly possible that he has uh, a daughter who now married Hamza bin Laden. Um, he Hamza has been officially designated as a terrorist by the U.S., and he surprised his family, supposedly surprised. You know how these families never admit that they know anything about their family member who is planning terror, a terror attack or attacks. Um, so they, he supposedly surprised his family by going to Afghanistan and becoming an al-Qaeda leader under Osama's former deputy, Ayman al-Zawahari. So, and the brother, these uh, family members said, we thought everyone was over this. Then the next thing I knew, Hamza was saying, I am going to avenge my father. And indeed, Hamza has made public statements urging followers to wage war on Western cities, including Washington and Paris. So we've known that already, that Hamza has been planning to avenge Osama's death. But now this new piece of news <laughs> is that he's married possibly to uh, the lead hijacker's daughter. So that is one storm cloud that may be gathering. And the other storm cloud is what I'm going to be talking to you about now, primarily the idea of this training camp found in the New Mexico desert. Now, there have been warnings for years that there are Islamic training camps in America but um, neither the media nor the FBI or other um, authorities seem to be paying very much attention to it, as you will, in fact, hear in regard to this particular compound that was found. Now, um, the, the way that this was found, that this compound was found, was very interesting. Um, the it really came about not because authorities were searching for Islamic <laughs> radical Islamist training camps, but rather because there was a report from a woman uh, that her uh, that the father of her child absconded with the child, and that started uh, a search for this missing child. Now. Um, what happened was that um, the, oh, now I'm going to be telling you this, there are lots of pieces to this puzzle. It's kind of hard to put everything in, in, um, in, a, in a chronological order, but um, there's, uh, there was a, a boy called Abdul Ghani Wahaj who was three years old. Actually, he turned four when his body was, well, when a body was found at this compound in New Mexico, who they believe is the boy, but it's going to take a while longer to do all the tests because the body was so decomposed, they couldn't recognize him. 
And um, all they could say was that it was a young boy who was thought to be about three or four years old. But um, they have to do all kinds of tests to definitely identify him. Now, the mother um, of this child reported that he was abducted last year by his father, Siraj Wahaj, uh, 40 years old, and um, who is the one who was considered the leader at this compound. And um, the a sheriff's office um, got a message that said something like, we're starving. And this message found its way to the sheriff's office through, you know, somewhat mysterious means, but obviously coming from either a mother or a child who was found in this compound. Now, there were 11 starving children found in the compound, as well as Suraj Wahaj, and as well as um, a man um, named Lucas Morton. Uh, Siraj Wahaj was found with his wife, Jani Laville, and sisters, Her, Hujra and Subana Wahaj. Um, and, and Subana is married to Lucas Morton. Okay, so, so they're all kind of related, as are the children. And um, this was, the, these were the people who were found in this, um, this incredibly... Well, it's been described as something that looks like a third world country, which kind of makes sense since they were apparently trying to copy what terrorist training camps look like in the, in the Middle East. And so the sheriff got a message saying that we're starving. And that is what, um, what caused them to finally uh, execute a search warrant. But there had been... Um, there had been notice about this child and, and, and there, they, the FBI had been uh, surveilling this compound for months um, and not going in because they claimed that they didn't see the child in the compound through their aerial surveillance. And therefore they couldn't get a, um, a search warrant or they didn't think they could get, it doesn't seem like they tried very hard. So in the meantime, what that means is that um, while they were, <laughs> while the FBI was flying around above um, and looking for the child, um, it, it could well be, uh, if it turns out that the body is the missing child, it could well be that the child died during the time that nobody went in to, to save the child, which is, of course, tragic. Well, when we come back, we will talk more about this compound and the unbelievable conditions of squalor and no food and no water and no electricity. And um, I'll tell you more about that. You've been listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. Stay tuned and she'll be right back with more analysis of this week's hottest topic in terror. back to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. Welcome back. Before the break, we've been talking about this uh, incredible find in the New Mexico desert of a compound where uh, 
kids, 11 children, 11 starving children were found. And um, there is evidence to show that at least one of them, and probably more, were being trained to become school shooters. In other words, this is the next form, a new form of terrorist attack, training school shooters to become, or or using, (laughs) making, turning school shooters into terrorists or terrorists into school shooters, uh, training innocent kids to become um, school shooters and thereby deliver a new form of terror attack. We should never underestimate the terrorists' ability to think out of the box because now they've combined two dangers that people, especially kids, are most afraid of, school shooters and terrorists. In fact, I've been doing a whole bunch of interviews about my book, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, oh my, how to protect your child in a time of terror because of back being, it being back to school time. And I've been talking about how kids, when they go back to school, they are most afraid now, not about getting good grades or about being popular, but about school shooters and terrorists. So this terrorist camp is now combining the two. <laughs> and unfortunately, a lot of Americans are in denial believing that there won't be another 9-11 or Boston Marathon or Orlando or San Bernardino or other attacks. But this discovery in the New Mexico desert should wake us up. Um, The terrorists are not stopping. And this camp may well be the tip of the iceberg because there have been many reports, as I was saying, over the years that terrorists have been making such camps for years, training people to become terrorists, just like they do in the Middle East. And they pick these spots, these isolated spots in the wilderness, in the desert, in various states. I mean, (laughs) you know, where there are such places, they don't go, well, they don't make these kinds of camps in cities like New York or Los Angeles, but certainly on the outskirts, there could well be some. And in fact, there have been reports of such camps. So now just because of this boy, little boy being missing, as I'll to go on to explain, this particular compound was found. And in this compound, um, the there were 11 children found in a filthy place. The compound was built with garbage. There was no food, water, electricity, or plumbing. And the point of it was to hide out from society and from detection and to be, train the uh, school shooters. And of course, you know, um, yes, where some schools are doing things to protect against school shooters, but not really in the way that, uh, not in the sense of, of expecting kids, little kids, super young kids to be terrorists and school shooters wound into one. And of course, what this tells us is that we should go back and re-examine the school shooters of the past, at least since 9-11, to check for any possible terrorist ties. Perhaps there have been uh, these compounds that exist in the U.S. Perhaps others have actually been responsible for training um, past school shooters. I, I know that there was one school shooter that had been suspected, at least one, that had been suspected of having terrorist ties. So we need to take this whole potential problem much more seriously now that we found this camp. So um, 
As I was saying, the mother of Abdul Ghani Wahaj uh, reported that he was abducted last fall by his father. And um, he, uh, and by the way, this, the father, um, Siraj Wahaj, is the son, da, 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 <laughs> he's the son of a, a man by the same name who is an imam at a mosque in Brooklyn. And uh, he's, very, he's a very prominent man. And he, um, so the boy who was missing, in other words, was his grandson. Well, the boy who was missing was his grandson. And the boy who was found dead, the body may well be his grandson. And of course, the imam is very upset about that. He was upset that he was abducted. And now he's upset that uh, he may be dead. Um, this imam who uh, is in, in an unindicted co-conspirator related to the terrorist attacks of 1993 of the World Trade Center. Um, you know, obviously he, he has a mosque in Brooklyn where they have lots of people who come and talk who have terrorist ties, but he is, he remains unindicted, but with lots of questions around him, the father of this of the father of the father who abducted his boy, who the authorities were looking for when they found this compound. I know it's a little, it's all a little confusing. But anyhow, Hakima Ramsey, who's the mother of the missing toddler, told her authorities and um, that, that his father had said that he was taking the boy to a park in Jonesboro, Georgia for the, um, for the idea of performing an Islamic alternative healing ritual known as Rukya, which is a form of prayerful meditation that is sometimes thought to mend damage from witchcraft. In other words, it's an Islamic type of exorcism because the boy was born with um, hypoxia, with lack of oxygen to the brain. And um, this provoked seizures and prevented him from walking. And he had to have medicine on a daily basis. Now, it's quite possible if he indeed took the boy to this compound, which seems pretty definite, um, that he didn't have the medicine since they didn't even have food and that the boy died from... um, from his illness, which needed the medicine um, that his father didn't provide. So um, they were, they, when they went to, uh, when the father left, he interestingly had, um, had a rollover in his car when he was passing through, he was traveling from Georgia to, to New Mexico and he was passing through Alabama and had a rollover accident. And he, um, the state trooper who came to the scene said that they were, said that Mr. Wahaj told him that he was on his way to New Mexico to go camping. (laughs) That's an interesting way of putting it. And that he was traveling with his wife and that they had recently moved to Alabama. A whole bunch of nonsense. And the state trooper found that he was heavily armed. The father was heavily armed the father of the missing boy, um, with two rifles, three handguns, and um, these, these weapons were thrown from the car when they, were, when they had the crash. 
And so they went to the hospital um, because some of them were injured. And they were, oh, they also found several Qurans on the ground that had been thrown from the vehicle and a few other books that were written in Arabic. So they went to the hospital, Shelby Baptist Hospital, and the state trooper tr- spoke to Janney Laville, Le- Laville, I'm not sure how it's pronounced, who gave a different story than uh, Mr. Wahaj. She said that they had not moved to Tuskegee, that they had only stayed there overnight, and that she and Mr. Wahaj were not legally married, and that they were traveling from Georgia to New Mexico to see Mr. Wahaj's brother-in-law's land. Well, that part was true. Indeed, it was the brother-in-law's land who they went that they went to, that they built the compound on, but in fact they uh, built it bigger than the land and they they went on to a neighbor's land as well. So um, they made their way after this rollover to the land and um, they made their compound out of discarded materials like bottles, tires, empty beer cans, and so on. They they made a, like a fort. And... um, They had a hundred foot tunnel that had bedding in it and they had all kinds of weapons and they were filthy when they, when the authorities finally, finally got to the compound, they found filthy clothes strewn around the trailer next to empty boxes of cartridges, um, rifle cartridges, operating instructions for their, for the rifles, notebooks, in English and Arabic, uh, a bilingual English-Arabic Quran, a third-grade homeschooling textbook. There were battered pairs of children's shoes, broken bicycles, a basketball net, empty wine bottles, old tires placed around the trailer at, like a barricade, knives, uh, and so on. Clearly, you know, clearly this was set up to be uh, a fort if to prevent being discovered or, or be able to, to kill the people who came upon them. So um, um, that Mr. Wahaj had already um, been, come to the attention of federal law enforcement in 2005 when he filed a federal lawsuit claiming that he was detained, harassed, fingerprinted, and photographed by Customs and Border Protection agents at JFK when he was traveling to and returning from Morocco. Uh, And he said the only reason for the suspicion is because he's the son of a famous Muslim imam. Now, um, (laughs) Now, you know, clearly they were, this is another example of how he was missed. I mean, you know, the, the state trooper who found all these things and, and had the, these two stories um, from the, the man and the wife who claimed not to be his wife, um, could have, should have, could have and should have t- done more investigation as to what they had in mind and could have been stopped and should have been stopped. Well, we need to take another break, but when we will come back, we will, cu- we will continue with this story of this compound and this unbelievable plan to teach children to become school shooters. You've been listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. Stay tuned and she'll be right back with more analysis of this week's hottest topic in terror.
Now back to the Terrace Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. Welcome back. Before the break, we've been talking about this unbelievable story of terrorists setting up a training camp in the New Mexico desert, training kids to become terrorists, um, but... by becoming school shooter type terrorists, not the usual things that we think of or the usual kinds of terrorist attacks that there have been. Um, Now, of course, there are people who are saying that the media has gotten this all wrong to the extent that the media has reported on this as, you know, being related to terrorism because primarily because of the imam, the Brooklyn imam, who was the father of the father of the um, Uh, abducted boy. But so they're saying that um, the media has turned a domestic situation into uh, something that's related to terrorism. In other words, a domestic situation because he abducted his son from the mother. Um, It's not clear whether he was married to her as well, or maybe not as well since (laughs) the the other um, wife is saying she's, they're not officially married, but in any case, a domestic situation, certainly. Um, And uh, the way they found out about the training the children to become terrorists slash school shooters is because the kids, the 11 kids who were found in this compound, uh, were given over to Child Protective Services in New Mexico and and then given over to foster parents. And a foster parent of one of the 11 children at the compound told authorities that the adults there the the, um, the the child had told her that the adults there had trained the child into the use of an assault rifle as part of a, quote, conspiracy to commit school shootings. Now, of course, um, the, these five defendants, uh, which are Siraj Wahaj, his two sisters, his uh, pseudo-wife, Jenny, and Lucas Morton, the um, husband of one of the sisters, they are all, they've all been arrested now, and they have been charged with 11 counts of felony child abuse, and Wahaj is also charged with child abduction, and Lucas Morton, the brother-in-law, is charged with harboring a fugitive um, because of the fact that he knew, I mean, theoretically or allegedly knew, that um, Siraj Wahaj abducted his child. So they, of course, have all pled not guilty. And, um, that, you know, there are varying stories as to how they eventually got to this compound and, and arrested these people and so on. But one, one story comes from the imam who said that his daughter, Sabana, reached a friend in Atlanta. In other words, that she was the one who told this friend in Atlanta um, that, uh, that they were running, running short on food. They had like practically nothing in terms of food. Um, and he's taking he's taking credit for for contacting the authorities, but that is not clear. What is clear is that um, someone in the compound, probably you know one of the sisters, did send a message out um, saying that we're starving. So um, what else? <laughs> um, these. Um, these these people are you know now in jail as i was saying and um they 
so far it's not clear of course there's a lot of things that still need to be determined but um they the the children when the children were they discovered that it was seen that they hadn't eaten in days and there were like some potatoes and pasta found uh in the compound and that's pretty much it and then um and not a lot of that i mean the idea was they came here with money they came to new mexico with money enough money to build the compound and to get some food and i don't know how they planned to continue getting food um but they were obviously having problems with that um Perhaps they were spending too much on ammunition or perhaps they were afraid to uh, go out of the compound to get food. If they did have money left, um, I, you know, perhaps they had planned to work and to get money, but then wanted to spend their time training the kids to become school shooters. None of that is clear yet. But um but in the court documents, uh, there, the, it is written, the prosecutors do claim that Wahaj was using the weapons, the many weapons in there, to train the children to perform mass school shootings. So it isn't, this isn't just sort of a rumor. It was actually even in the court documents, although, of course, they have to prove this. Um, now, it isn't clear yet also either whether there was a specific plan targeting any one specific school or if so far the practice was just general. In other words, they were just getting trained and then they were going to later make their plans as to which school to attack. The school is also close to the Colorado school. This compound is also close to the Colorado border. So they might well have been targeting a school either in New Mexico or Colorado. And that would seem the most likely choices. Um, now, <clears throat> now, the man who attended the court hearing, the recent court hearing, <coughs> excuse me, um, who is the father of Morton, the brother-in-law, um, the, the, his father, the brother-in-law's father, Gerard Jabril Abdul Wali from Egypt, attended the court hearing and was shouting Allahu Akbar, of course, meaning God is great. Now, you know, if they're trying to say that this has nothing to do with terrorism, they were probably not happy that the father, that the brother-in-law's father um, came to the court shouting Allahu Akbar. Uh, that did not, that did not help their case. Um, and he told reporters, this, this father of the brother-in-law told reporters that he was in the U.S. for medical reasons and hadn't heard from his son for over a year, but then received a text message from the son uh, that said they were starving. So there might have been, you know, there might have been more than one person from the compound who sent out messages to people saying that they were starving. I mean, I guess they were feeling pretty desperate at that point. And it seems like um, the main guy who, uh, who abducted the child, Siraj Wahaj Jr., um, sort of held court over everybody, was, was, um, you know, was intimidating everybody to do what he wanted. Um, now, of course, this man, this, this father who yelled, 
uh, Allahu Akbar, the father of the brother-in-law, uh, Morton, um, said that he and the other suspects were just peaceful adult settlers. They were homesteading and were trying to establish a peaceful community, a peaceful life away from society. They just went about it the wrong way. <laughs> well, you could say that. I mean, peaceful with all of these guns? I don't know. Um, now, oh, another interesting aspect of this puzzle is that um, the they apparently, you know, neighbors, um, such as there were, there, there weren't very many neighbors around this compound, but they had heard a target practice for months and it recently stopped. Now, a, a, um, a counterterrorism expert interprets that as meaning that an attack was imminent. In other words, um, they were what he believes is that they were trying to save on ammunition because they had trained the kid or kids to become a school shooter or shooters, and now they were saving ammunition to actually uh, save it for the school shooting attack. So, you know, that's we don't know that yet for sure, but that certainly is a chilling thought that attack might well have been imminent. And were it not for their having searched for the abducted child and for these people sending out some communications, messages, one way or another to others that there was no food, that they were starving, um, there might well have been a school shooting that um, came about because of this training camp. Now, again, you know, as I was saying earlier, storm clouds may well be gathering. Uh, we don't know how imminent all of these things were, although, as I just said, you know, this saving of the ammunition, ammunition might well have meant that at least if in regard to this compound, uh, an attack might well have been imminent. But the, the bottom line to all of this, to these storm clouds are gathering between this and um, Osama bin Laden's son, wanting to avenge his father's death, um, it just, it means at the very, at the most basic um, level, it means that we cannot continue to be in denial. I'm not telling you all to uh, hide under your covers right now, you know, go run to your beds and hide under your covers. But at the same time, we have to be more aware that terrorists aren't going away. And in fact, they're finding more creative ways to commit attacks, such as by training little kids to become school shooters. And um, what we need to do, as I always say, what we need to do is to become, each and every one of us have to become more resilient and we have to teach our children to become more resilient. And that simply means that we need to make um, greater efforts to become physically and psychologically more uh, resilient, healthier um, in many different ways. And uh, I, I, pr I probably should do another podcast talking about some examples of these, and I will, in fact, uh, do that. But, but, the, but first, you can't be in denial or else you won't think that you have to prepare yourself like for a marathon because we are in a marathon. We are running <laughs> in a marathon against the threat of terrorism. Well, thank you for listening to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist.
If you would like to find out more about terrorism from me, your terrorist therapist, visit my website, terroristtherapist.com. And if you're a parent or teacher and want to build stronger nests for your kids to become more resilient, check out my new award-winning book, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. It's the first and only book about terrorism for kids. You can find it wherever books are sold or directly from the publisher at Terrorism for Kids. Kids.com. Terrorism, the number four, kids.com. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. Thank you for listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. We hope listening to the show has made you feel calmer, more resilient, and more able to reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. You can also check out past shows on Renegade Talk Archives for more insights.